Oftentimes when a company is discussing new ideas, it's with a select handful of people. What if you reverse that? What do you think would happen if you asked the entire company to brainstorm on a new strategy? An unexpected idea could come from an unexpected mind. In the 12th episode of The Modern Agilist, we interview the co-developer of Liberating Structures, Keith McCandless. Keith is also co-founder of the book, The Surprising Power of Liberating Structures, Simple Rules to Unleash a Culture of Innovation. Keith specializes in helping organizations to innovate and manage complexity by working with groups to unleash creativity, discover opportunities, and build on momentum. His eclectic skills have honed with groups all over the world and are grounded in organizational development, complexity science, business strategy, and graphic facilitation, all with an improvisational twist. Hey, uh, thanks guys for tuning in today. We have a very special guest, Keith McCandless, the co-author of The Surprising Power of Liberating Structures. Uh, if you've been listening to this show the past several episodes, we've talked about hopefully being able to get someone uh, to talk about liberating structures for us. Um, I was first exposed uh, to it less than maybe maybe a, a little more than a month ago. And um, a little context is, you know, as an agilist, you're supposed to be gun ho for retrospectives and kind of doing things in a group. And I've always found myself uh, frustrated, nervous, and, 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 you know, struggled with that. And when I was first exposed to this liberating structure, suddenly it became philosophically and intellectually interesting to me on, on what they are, how they can be used. And it changed my demeanor. And I suddenly was very bullish on, uh, adding these to my tool belt. So we just didn't get anybody to come on the show and tell us the deep dive. We got the creator, right? So Keith, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, Justice, you're, uh, you can't see it, but there's a big smile here. You, I think you maybe have gone a little over the moon, but that's very, very nice. Very <laughs> that's nice. Right. Um, so, so Keith, um, you know, th the first thing that struck me about this is one, you know, its name, it's a pretty, you know, talk about over the moon, a name like liberating structures is about as philosophically intriguing as anything, right? And I found it hard to kind of get my fingers around this. Could you give us a, a just a, a, a the short version of basically what this is? Uh, happy to justice. Uh... Well, the two words don't, it might be like, how could they go together? Structure, which you can immediately go to, it's constraining, uh, or I, I don't like that. Uh, but then this word uh, liberating was pretty easy to pick because the experience of people in a group, just as you suggested, Oh, I'm not so sure about groups and working in groups to get agile work done. Uh, is that is that gonna be productive? Uh, so the experience of the user, uh, it feels like liberation when you're uh, engaging in a pattern of relating to each other, a, a pattern of getting the work done. Uh, that's been designed uh, and it's 
it's designed in with the minimum set of specifications to unleash all of the adaptability and creativity of a of each individual and the group as a whole so that's what they are they're they're very minimalistic uh structures uh that liberate every voice to shape what happens next one thing that helped me understand the idea of this uh, liberating structures and it's like with a lot of things is what is the opposite right <laughs> and, and correct me if i'm wrong i'm going to kind of repeat back to you what my understanding has come to and then maybe shed some light and unpack that or correct me if i'm wrong the idea is we start with these microstructures which are just kind of invisible scripts of interaction between us and the problem is is that most of those scripts that we've learned in standard uh, business or working agreements whatever our short version is busted right they encourage uh, um, uh, competition rather than cooperation and you list some of them and i it's crazy because if you listed these um to someone you're like yeah that's how stuff gets done you list them as presentation managed discussion status update brainstorm and open discussion those sounds like tool and toolboxes that like that's what we use but you're saying hey these are these are i don't put words in your mouth but i interpret it as busted well uh, they got us to where we are, <laughs> okay, yeah. uh, but they aren't going to take us much, much deeper or further along a path. So, yeah, they are the ones and uh, we call them the big five because they're all that anybody uses universally. It doesn't matter what country you're in or it's just something that was handed down. Um, and uh more than i i don't want to call them busted because you can still use them and they deliver what they deliver uh but what we upgradable how's that uh, they are definitely <laughs> well it depends on how deep you get into the work whether you you can substitute all of those all the time with liberating structures if you care to or you can sprinkle them in until you build up a repertoire you know that that maybe you would use more um but the one way to think about them is each of those others unwittingly because we use them without thinking they're just there for us they unwittingly exclude quite a few people uh just in the pattern of how you're talking uh, they unwittingly uh, over control uh, people again it's the pattern of the interaction and then uh, they also unwittingly uh, stifle what people can bring to the party. All the, all of them, all of their ideas, all of their differentness. And so, because they they unwittingly do these bad things, uh, we go to some length to point out their faults, and usually with a smile, uh, you know, we'll say what's what's wrong with each of them yeah. and everybody kind of goes yeah yeah that's uh, that's how it works so the the repertoire of liberating structures is a uh, either you can substitute for these big five conventional methods or um uh you know just ditch the ditch the broken ones i i'm gonna use your language for a second but uh yeah so that's 
That's kind of how it works. It sounds like they might be quite complicated or something, but they are minimally specified. They're very simple. And I, I think that's your experience using them, Justice. Have you had a little chance to use them? I've tried. Um, I, I honestly, what I did is I, I went through the book, you know, and then I got the, the, the app and um, I was like, I guess, I guess I almost wanted to see people do it and then kind of practice. And so that's where I kind of was like looking for some sort of workshop or something. It's almost like, uh, you know, I remember for a while I wanted to learn to play Go, you know, the black and the white stones. Uh -huh. And I got all these books, but really what I need is just sit next to a Go player and kind of see them do it for a bit. Mm -hmm. And um, and so that's, that's one of the reasons why I got connected to you and going in your direction, because I said, man, where do I go to see someone kind of do this? But I am very far from like a kid who's watched a lot of like a, a bunch of Kung Fu movies, but <laughs> hasn't actually, you know, leveled up in the belt system at all. You know, <laughs> I can see you kicking and punching the air. Now. Yes, uh, yes, yeah. absolutely. Funny. Well, there's uh, you may know this, but uh, uh, Agile and Scrum folks uh, really got interested in the work pretty soon after we published. Uh, and in Europe, uh, particularly Germany uh, and the Netherlands and uh, some other countries in Europe uh, took off way before the United States. They just went uh, absolutely wild for it. And that app that you used was created by some users um, uh, because they wanted to spread the work, work around. And their primary focus was uh, uh, agile and, and uh, you know, helping people develop scrum approaches in their, in their businesses. Uh, so there, there are people who work in your domain uh, that I'd love to connect you with. Oh, awesome. Fantastic. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure our listeners that the whole, the whole point to have, uh, individuals like yourself come on here is to bring up topics and unpack them in a way that you just don't actually hear that in a, in a typical, you know, agile meetup or a, you know, CSN class or something. And it kind of provide the, those, uh, possibilities to have a deeper dive to fall into the rabbit hole. You know, um, uh, one thing that uh, kind of impacted me recently is, um, you know, there's this uh, management 3.0 book by Jurgen Apello. And, um, you know, he talks about from a system standpoint, why you need to empower individuals because going all the way back to like Edwards Deming, they're closest to the work. Um, and so, you know, they're only they can kind of make those decisions. Like in any, in any complex system, the most complex part is the human beings and you need to trust the people closest to the work to make those decisions. And so this idea about having these um, uh, liberating structures is, you know, uh, you, you, uh, you kind of bubble up to the top, the wisdom of everyone closest to the problem they're trying to solve. And then you get the ownership of everyone. So you don't have to, you know, if, if they're, if they have ownership, there's a sense of they see it through, you get that divide and conquer. And then you get the energy conservation. You're not trying to win everyone to your vision because the vision is the vision of everyone. It's come from them. So when you kind of pack that all in together, it's like, man, this is um, completely underutilized and something that people need to wake up to, you know? 
Well, uh, completely agree. And our approach, uh, Henry and I, Henry Litmanowicz, uh, co-author, uh, what we, we love the intellectual part of it. We were inspired by complexity science principles. And uh, as we were learning about complexity science from mathematicians and physicists and biologists, uh, you know, we were pretty much organizational people, you know, management folks who were translating what we were learning about complexity across different disciplines to how we organize. And uh, what happened for us, that was pretty interesting. Uh, we, <laughs> uh, we were learning about it, but the way we were learning about it was the conventional, the presentation, the uh, brainstorming, the, all of the old ways. And uh, it became very frustrating. The reason, and, and we really stopped talking about the intellectual part of it and wrote a book that's very specific about how to. Uh, and the how to is how to literally include every voice in shaping the future. And it's also how to stop unwittingly uh, over controlling, um, excluding people and stifling creativity. And there's no reason, I know you're excited about it, Justice, there's no reason for anyone to believe you. You know, if you just say mm. that it's possible to do that, Mm -hmm. uh, you sound dreamy and maybe slightly out of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what we've done all over the world is create uh, user groups and situations in which people can experience and try it out for themselves. Yeah. Because they're very small things. They're very small changes. They're minimally specified changes in the pattern. And those have a huge impact on what's possible. Uh, so that I don't expect anybody to believe it. It just sounds like uh, it's it sounds like too much. It can't possibly it cannot possibly do that. Uh, but we we just changed the pattern a little bit of how you're interacting, and that has a huge huge impact. Mm -hmm. So Keith, that's kind of what I want to dig into a little bit, um, if that's all right. You know, I have said this before, and Justice and I have a very good working relationship. And a lot of times, uh, you know, maybe it's maybe it's for the worse. I like to boil down to, okay, how do we do it? How do we get it done? How do we start implementing this? And if we're talking about liberating structures in the context of teams and teams that are trying to accomplish something. You know, my my very basic understanding as we talk to you and we learn more is that essentially these are, you know, optional structures that you can formulate into kind of a a, a thread of uh you know uh, things that you want to do in the context of achieving a goal so if you're in a meeting you're saying i want to get this out of the meeting or if you're in a presentation or if you're working through something i i want to get this out of it and here are some of the liberating structures that i'd like to start with and then order essentially maybe using a few to kind of achieve that goal it, uh, so I'm kind of looking, how do we, how do we look at this in terms of, uh, okay, let's start using something like this in a team or in a team session. Can you, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So yeah, you want to uh, get something done or explore a territory. Uh, mm -hmm. I'll use an example. I think I sent along a, a, a working paper about strat how do you develop strategy? 
And this could be at the team level or organization-wide strategy. And so there's a, a six questions to develop a strategy. And a strategy is like your ambition. How are you going to take your ambition and bring it into being? Mm -hmm. Right. That's what strategy is, maybe. For me, it is. Mm -hmm. And so uh, in my experience with that, there's six questions that if a group answers them together, Mm -hmm. uh they don't have to get buy-in later <laughs> they uh, okay. own okay. they develop own and operate the strategy for moving forward and so uh the questions i'm just going to say them and then different liberating structures can be used to really include every voice in in developing the strategy and the first one is you know how, um is about purpose uh how do we justify our work to the larger group or the larger community? You know, what's mm -hmm. the, what's the deepest need for what we do? And that establishes the reason, the answers, you know, uh, the organizing principle, pulling people forward, pulling their ambition toward a, it's not a vision, but uh, something that uh, attracts uh, people's attention and uh, crystallizes their ambition. Mm -hmm. So, Second question, and these are just basic questions, you know, what's happening around us that demands creative change? Mm. Oh. Third question, what, and there's different liberating structures for each of these. Uh, third question is about uh, challenge. Uh, what's the, the most complex, paradoxical set of challenges that we need to face down or face up to? And, you know, there's... Uh, great liberating structure for that called Wicked Questions. Um, mm -hmm. Fourth one is about baseline. How do we, uh, where are we starting, really? Uh, fifth one about ambition. Uh, now that we've talked about the purpose and the context and what our challenges are and then what our baseline is, what is possible now? Mm -hmm. What do we hope? What do we hope, hope can happen? And then finally, uh, we use an approach called eco-cycle planning uh, that uh, lets us both articulate the activities and relationships we're putting into play to move forward toward our with our purpose. And we build evaluation into every step, sort of an iterative, evaluative, ongoing approach to evaluating uh, are, our are the strategies we've formulated together uh, delivering. So that's a that's kind of long, but you know, there's always if that was your goal, let's develop a strategy together. Sure. Let's answer these questions, and in each case, let's include every voice in shaping uh, the answer, and those answers uh, generate uh, momentum forward. So that's interesting. So so you know, it, it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of these these structures, right, or the way that you go about implementing or using them, right, is is kind of um almost carving out and creating a uh, a useful way of thinking right forcing a way of thinking and considering something is, is what i'm getting out of it a lot of times well let's make it i'm going to give you a real concrete example because okay. it's it's better this way um, okay. the most fundamental liberating structure is called one two four all right. and um so it starts with um well i'll just relate it to this podcast uh you know what's the 
for you, I would start each individual is going to have one minute. This is the one of one, two, four, all going to one minute. Each of you has one minute to think about what's the deepest need that you address. What, how do you justify the podcast to the agile community? And you've got one minute to uh, think about that. And you can do this as I'm blathering. Um, uh, and then you've jotted some things down. I've respected you enough to give you a second to think. Then you're in for two minutes. And this is very easily done in uh, online setting or face to face for two minutes. Talk to one other person. Like what, what, what did you come up with? And then uh, four minutes, the next four minutes is you and a group of four and you share and refine and uh, come up with your thoughts. And then that group of four, uh, however, let's say there's 400 people, there would be a chance for each of those groups, if they had something that they thought everyone else should hear, you know, a pretty high standard on what they report out. If they had a, a justification, a simple statement of the justification of the podcast to the Agile community, mm -hmm. uh, they share it. And you can do all of this in chat and in, uh, 20 minutes, you can get very clear on the purpose of of anything. So you, you're you're kind of you're kind of stripping back the noise at that point, is what you're saying. It's sifted and sorted through the one the prepared conversation, the group of four, and so what people put into chat. Let's say we're online. What mm -hmm. they put into chat is uh, is distilled. Ah. Uh, is is generally beautifully articulated and we've just spent 12 minutes on something that one two four all can be as short as that and if we don't like hey you know that purpose we just created for our work for the podcast isn't that great well let's try one more one two four all and this time uh let's ask not what is the purpose but what what's the what are we trying to stop in the world? It's the reverse. Like, what is the thing that this podcast is trying to eliminate? Mm -hmm. You know, what are we, maybe it's waste or people's, you don't, you want to eliminate the wasted creativity of people on your team, whatever it is, but you, yeah. you're answering the same question. You're going to spend 12 more minutes. And <laughs> you, every voice has been included, uh, and you've done it in rapid iterative cycles and everybody sees everybody else's work. Mm -hmm. Now that's, it's so simple, right? But do we, do we do that? Do you do that as a regular practice? Uh, it's, it's, it's probably more haphazard than that. Yeah. So I understand. I, I get it. I, I mean, I just want to say one other thing along those lines. So like, you know, if you're using a, a structure like that, like what you just said, and you, you've come up then with the, you know, your core or what you're trying to get out of something or, you know, what the purpose of something is too. Then you start to have these ideas as a group or something like that too. Is that something that, that can commonly be strung with other, um, you know, other structures? Like I'm thinking of that 2510 one, you know, Hey, okay, now we, now we understand what we're all about. We've got a ton of ideas going on, and, and you kind of break things down by kind of stringing together several efforts potentially. Yes. So uh, one that I really like: do something usually before twenty five ten. You have a purpose, okay. right? You, if you've just done the one two four all, and you're a couple times, and you have a everybody goes, yeah, that's why we exist. That's how we justify our mm -hmm. ourselves, this work to the mm -hmm. larger community. 
And, you know, what are we going to, what's our next brilliant move? Before that, uh, one of the principles underneath liberating structures is uh, uh, you've got to stop something. There's, there's counterproductive behaviors that get in the way or take up all the space for innovation. So I would do something called uh, TRIZ, which is asking the question is, how can we be sure to just, this podcast would be the same forever. You know, there's really nothing new that happens in it. And we, mm. and we uh, rest on our laurels. You know, we've been going for a while and people love us and it's just fine how it is. How could we be just happy with the way things are and kind of slowly fade to black, never mm. changing? How would you do that? And so that people laugh and have fun and they create a, a, a perfect way to have the podcast fade into black. Uh, and then uh, individuals are asked, well, are you doing any of those things right now? Uh, and if you are, well, which ones can you stop? And so then that creates a context in which, yeah. uh, boy, there's space for innovation. Mm -hmm. And you have the 25, 10 crowdsourcing that you would do. I see. Let's get all the ideas. There's actually mm -hmm. room for it because you've eliminated a bunch of things that aren't, are not productive in the trajectory of the, I'm using the podcast. I don't know why I got stuck on that, but uh, the trajectory of the podcast in future is now open for innovation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's sense. a little straight, one, two, four, all. Yep. Chris, twenty five ten crowdsourcing. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> now, <laughs> thank, you, thank you for a concrete example, and it's definitely re reflective of mine and Rick's relation. I'm in the clouds, and Rick's like, "Oh, well, how do we do this now?" It <laughs> <laughs> might not always be the best thing, but you know, <laughs> oh, Rick, uh, you're you're in my tribe. I love <laughs> ideas. I love ideas, but if you can't act on them. You know, and I, you know, the ideas attached to the complexity science stuff were so intoxicating. Uh, and the work in the field to sift and sort through, we, Henry and I really worked for eight or nine years together in the field trying to develop. Well, we didn't even know we were trying to develop methods. We were just doing things. Mm -hmm. And eventually people asked us to write them down. And we had workbooks. And then eventually, you know, it was clear we had enough you know, we should formalize it. And then somebody said, you've got to write a book. And we ignored that for years. Um, but what we owed, you know, it was good enough that we needed to be very specific about how to. So the liberating structures is a, a this is an old term, but plug and play, you know, you mm -hmm. take it out of the box, you put it in, it works. Uh, over years or over some amount of time, you develop a, a repertoire. And we're, we've tried to create something that uh, is out of the box, ready to work, and is infinitely adaptable. And we've seen that since we published uh, nine years ago, there's a global community and they are infinitely adapting the work without compromising the fundamental uh, fidelity of the methods as we first described them. So, you know, how can you have both things, fidelity and, uh, you know, incredible amount of creative adaptation. Um, and we've got that in the Liberating Structures community, which I'm so excited. I'm gonna, you have no idea. Uh, 
how I'm going to try to include you in this work. So awesome. Right? Wow. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, I, I was on uh, I was on liberatingstructures.com and I happened to stumble upon the user resources, which I think is a wonderful idea to put this on your on your website and to allow people the opportunity to lear, learn and grow from each other while using this the uh, the LS structure. Um, I did notice that um, there is no group in Pittsburgh. There's there's a group in Philadelphia. However, maybe uh, maybe us three can uh, can be the jump starters in, in the, <laughs> on the west side of Pennsylvania. <laughs> but I, I volunteer immediately to come to one of your meetings once it's going, uh, you know, or show up online uh, for one of your meetings. And I, I there's uh, some folks in uh, Amsterdam. Yeah, uh, they renamed their company the Liberators after they had some experience with liberating structures and um, uh, they do some things. I'd pay attention to what they're doing. They've done some things with user groups. Uh, they've done th- some redesign their website around uh, very similar themes to liberating structures and they're, they're agilists. Um, they have uh, they're really interesting fellows, uh, Barry and Chris John. And, uh, and then there's other user group leaders. We do a lot. So the, what I do is uh, uh, keep, try to keep part of my job is to keep people connected in different domains. Mm-hmm. So agile and business is kind of one domain, but there's schools and uh, international development and uh, faith-based organizations and communities that are using this politicians and political movements that are using it. So it's sort of ignored or, ignored all boundaries what you you might think this is just about uh teams getting better results in businesses but it's yeah it's gone well beyond that yeah and i would ju- i was just gonna say you know it, this is really really neat this structure is, is it's just it's it's boundless it you can use this with any group size correct any group size i've done a couple thousand people that same one two four all as long as you have bandwidth to do it you wow the breakout rooms it's i generally am working with between 30 and 100 people is um super easy once you get in the bigger numbers there's technical there's other challenges but it's it's uh definitely uh possible and uh, yeah we should maybe we won't talk about it too much now but uh how to work uh across all scales. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a golden nugget. Hey, I'll give the obligatory uh, shout out to Keith. I don't know if you're aware, but um, we have a, a following in the Netherlands with this, with this podcast and this blog. Oh. Yeah. So do, do you know Christian and, Bar- and Bari? I don't. No, no. Oh. I, yeah. They're welcome to come, to meet come aboard on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. No, you should, because they, uh, you know, I can talk about liberating structures that fit a retrospective. I can suggest some that work in sprints. Uh, I can, we've actually kind of remade a Kanban board or a, a, there's things in your domain that I know uh, just enough about to have liberated them Mm. a bit. Mm. Uh, They're not substantially different. And what's interesting is they don't change agile or a scrum method but mm-hmm. they uh develop uh, they stop any 
a pattern that over controls, uh, stop any pattern that stifles creativity, stops, mm -hmm. lets you start reaching out and including more people in the, those activities, particularly your users, whoever your customers are. Uh, and so that uh, that's pretty great to, um, it's just, you can jump into it right away. And so I, I'll connect you with some people that are doing that in, in your domain and doing it quite uh, brilliantly, as far as I can tell. That's awesome. That'd be great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just Justice, what you got? I know I I, I heard I, I you're wanted, ready to. Yeah, yeah, off. yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask Keith, um, how do you, how do you package this or communicate what it is to the uninitiated? Or maybe you don't have to because there's already a movement, and then some company or group is feeling some pain, and so they're like, "Hey, have you heard about this? Let's try it." Or, you know, because I, when I'm tr in trying to describe what this is to others, I kind of start with like, "Okay, well, you know what a retro is," and they're like, "Yeah," and I'm like, "Well, this is like that, like exploded to another level." So, what? How do you present this if you do in some special way? Uh, good, good that you asked if I do. Um, uh, if I have to, uh, I found out what domain you're in. Are you a teacher or community organizer? You know, uh, you work, what's the world? And, and then ask them a little bit about how they, what their meetings are like or how they work across, you know, with people around them. And then, so, well, could you? Try this instead, like the one, two, for all that I uh, mentioned to you. Um, just, you know, it's, it's that simple. There's a lot more once you get going, but it's that simple. So uh, that's what it is. It, it usually has a context for what they want to do in their classroom, what they want to do in their team. Um, and so we've gone out of our way like uh, people want to call them tools or they're in a toolbox, but that's very mechanical. And most tools uh, sort of fit into the uh, a mechanistic uh, metaphor. So justice this is for you. It intellectualizes things. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm intellectualized just for a second that this, the machine metaphor is uh, what you do is analyze the parts and finer and finer uh, detail and you um, manage each part and finer and finer detail uh, and you do your best to gain control and you use prediction uh, quite a bit. What we're doing most of the time is is focusing on the relationships and the pattern among the parts, not the parts or the finer detail of the parts. And we actually gain from some amount of uh, disequilibria. You know, we aren't trying to control things. We, we distribute, we actively distribute control and we uh, generate as much creative adaptability, uh, unpredictability as possible. And out of that, it's more like an ecosystem. We, we talk about it like an ecosystem in a fitness landscape. So uh, you can't, it's not like putting parts in or taking human resources, taking people in and out of positions. Uh, it's more like a fitness landscape where each step you take changes the landscape. You know, it goes down a little bit and another part of the landscape goes up. 
So you're constantly searching the environment for uh, what you can do to adapt and be more productive. Um, and that is hard to describe to people. <laughs> you know, what, what, what's the difference between focusing on the parts versus the relationship among the parts? But that's a, a fundamental uh, difference in, in what we're doing. And once you kind of go there, uh, some things change about, like you uh, described a little bit, I've changed my demeanor, I've changed the way I feel. Uh, what I've happened for me is I believe in uh, participants or group members or community members more than they believe in themselves. Because we, we draw out more of their capability and bring it to the surface and combine and recombine it in iterative cycles. And that builds confidence and momentum quickly, very quickly. Um, so that's, uh, if it's first, I'll just say there's a, the first thing I'll say is it's a big, and I don't even like to say it, and I'm hesitating right now, but it's a big toolbox. And then underneath that toolbox are a set of principles that distribute control. And then underneath that set of principles that distribute control are microstructural design. We call it DNA. It's the DNA of uh, how all the structures are, are designed. And it includes five elements and it can describe once you get into it, you feel like you're a micro uh, designer. Mm -hmm. uh, but that comes later, you know, just use when you start, just pick up a tool, use it for a while, see what happens. And then later on, you can get into the principles because they're built into those tools. Uh, the principles get more interesting and the, the microstructural DNA becomes more interesting. And uh, that's that is not the simple way I describe them. But you got me going on the description. <laughs> you got me going. Yeah. Well, it, like a lot of things, I'm sure there's a there's one perspective to see it, and it's a particle, and then another perspective, and it's a wave, maybe you know. Um, so, like, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, in the in the literature in the book, there are 33 structures, right? Mm -hmm. Why not 32 or 34? And is there a higher level taxonomy? where they maybe some of those kind of fall under one thing and some of them fall into another, or maybe even, even there, is there kind of a moment of enlightenment where you see them as like, well, there could be an infinite number because they're driven by values in a certain mindset. Um, you know, you kind of see what I'm putting down there. I do. And uh, there are many lovely conversations we've, I've had uh, nice. <laughs> my co-author on that point. Um, the honest answer is uh, they were the 33 were the methods or practices or microstructures that we had developed in enough detail to publish. And that took about 10 or 12 years in the field um, to get confident that they were uh, they generated surprising results, but they were reliable in generating those surprising results. So we had 33 um, 
since then, uh, the user community uh, has generated, I don't know, hundreds maybe. And I'd say out of those hundreds, um, I've adopted about 10 uh, in my repertoire uh, that do things uh, that the original 33 don't do. Um, and so if you if you look at each structure, if you're looking at it, each one has a name and then it it says something about what it makes possible. Uh, so I think the first 33 are very much uh, business oriented. That was our that's where the domain we were mostly working in um, was in business. So when you want to do, let's say, um, uh, scenario planning or something like scenario planning, which is pretty big and complex, but you're, you're, what you want to do is not put all your eggs in one basket. You want to uh, develop strategies for a number of different plausible futures without sinking everything into one vision or one, one strategy. Um, so we've got a liberating structure for that. And the first 33 cover, uh, a pretty vast territory of what a business probably is going to use. And then the ones that have come after that, the ones that I like um, are more in the category of uh, human development and uh, development of team members, development of capabilities, um, digging deeper into the reasons, uh, in, uh, digging deeper into the motivation uh, for making changes in yourself and in others mm -hmm. around you. Um, so yeah, 33 was mostly, that's what we were confident in publishing. Okay. Um, the, another thing came to my mind is, uh, how has this, the last, um, two years, I'm losing track now in the, you know, there was things were remote before, but it's the landscape has vastly changed and, yeah. how much more things are remote have you how has this affected you and 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 the community in with this in this domain and then um ha have you found it helpful some of these when i was looking at them i thought wow it would actually be almost easier to do these online where you click a button and you instantly have any size number with mathematical precision breakout rooms and it's back to my mechanistic leanings it feels like a you know a script could run it and a facilitator and like it could just be clean you know yeah yeah um well the pandemic just as the pandemic hit uh like in our so there's a liberating structures community um we get together on slack not everyone but the people who like to use slack and uh there's lots of different channels, including the development of new ones and virtual, you know, how do you do virtual and online? And uh, I'd say within two months of the pandemic, seriously, we knew that Zoom and, uh, you know, this is how we're going to do our work for a while. I'd say 90% of the repertoire was under, was in pretty good shape, uh, completely translated to online interaction uh with zoom and other platforms but zoom by far got more attention um and uh my breath was taken away yeah uh, and so for people who now 
have only come into the work in the last two years, they're going, hey, can any of these things be done face to face? You know, the complete opposite question. <laughs> yes. It's like, they like, well, why would you, <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh my God, because I'm still a little attached to some of the face to face. I mean, I am attached to them. They're wonderful face to face. And that's how they were, how they were developed. And um, so, yeah, the, the whole repertoire has been translated. And uh, I'm, for example, working with a company called Wheelow. Uh, that's building uh, liberating structures into the fabric of the buttons you push of the functional. Now we're talking. Yeah. I want to well, know more about that. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah. So <laughs> that's we, really exciting. Uh, Wheelo, W-E-L-O is, has a, oh God, I think that's public information. Anyway, I'm not going to say anything, but they, they will be really easily accessible and have linked up with some of the major online get work done players. Um, and uh, I'm like, it's a dream come true because uh, we don't want this to rely on the expert facilitator. We, we want somebody who doesn't like to make eye contact to be able to use liberating structures. Hmm. So we do things, we've done things like somebody new is walking into a workshop in some country, you know, we don't, and when we hand them an index card is like, would you like to lead the first uh, liberating structure in this workshop? It, just read this card in the sequence that we give you and let's see how it goes. And it's, it works, you know, it, 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 uh, a complete novice and somebody who does not like to make eye contact can get results with the methods. And that's the, the, um, that's a goal. It's not always possible, uh, but uh, it's, it's a, a, a goal for what we're doing. So the degree to which a, a platform like Wheelow can um, uh, make it super easy uh, is a dream come true. And Keith, I'm so happy to hear you say that because um, I, I get quite intimidated by expectations of the opposite of what you just said mm -hmm. you know I, I really enjoy audio communication i like being able to walk around while on the phone call and um uh, when it the you know some of the uh the opposite of what you're saying someone who wants to go in and like quote unquote work the room and the pressure is on them to do that it's like hey man i, I i'm sweating already you know um so the the idea of like like software software you know there's the old meme like give me a button for that right mm -hmm. it's like hey what are the cards and as i build up some confidence in doing this a few times then i get more comfortable and confident and so kind of like a guide is what you're thinking yeah, it, yeah. and i think the language that Wheelo uses is like they playbooks i just pull up the site and uh I'm, I'm loving this even more. Um, I, I find this uh, amazing. What uh, kind of circling back on that question about online or in person. Mm -hmm. um, I think you said the largest group you've ever done this with, uh, you know, was uh, what did you say? It was like a couple thousand, couple thousand. Yeah. This just this this is this is gold right here. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> this is the golden nugget we were talking. Yeah. Go, go for it. That concludes this episode of the Modern Agilist. 
You now have the opportunity to hear the rest of this podcast when you become a member of the Modern Agilist community. Members get access to extra exclusive content, including behind the scenes content, learning content, and much, much more. To learn more or to sign up, go to themodernagilist.net and click join the community.